Razorback fans, welcome to this week's episode of the Hogbeat Hour, brought to you by Hogbeat.com, the Arkansas site and the Rivals Network. And this week, sponsored by Wright's Barbecue. They have two locations, one in Johnson and one in Bentonville now, and they are selling their meat rubs and sauces right at Walmart. So even if you don't buy directly from them, your meat can just taste as good as Wright's, which is hands down the best in the state. It is a huge weekend for Razorback Sports starting on Friday with obviously the number 10 Arkansas Razorbacks taking on Colgate, the 14 seed in the NCAA tournament first round. Uh, that tip-off is at 11.45 a.m. I know a lot of people, I put out a poll on Twitter, they are taking the day off work about 50%. And then the other people said they were still going to watch at work anyways, if they could. Um, I don't mind the early tip. What do you think? I mean, we work from home, so. <laughs> yeah, it, it's, it's not ideal for people who you know, work, and I get that. Um, you know, I know it, usually it's, a, it's like an extra long weekend because you have to take off Thursday and Friday for the tournament. Uh, this year, they pushed it back to where it starts on Friday, so it's a little bit different. Arkansas kind of got the, the bad luck in drawing the – the early game on Friday, but uh, I know our Eric Mussman's hoping they come out and perform better than their other early tip this year where uh, they hosted Missouri and it did not go well. So hopefully it goes a little bit better than that and they're able to come out and not uh, not be sleepwalking through the first first part of the first half. After that, uh, the baseball team opens, you know, SEC play with the series against Alabama. That game starts at 6.30 p.m. Um, are you going to be in Baumwalker for that one? Have you That's decided? The plan. That's the That's plan? That's the plan. I will be at Baumwalker. Oh, that, that, that is one positive thing about the basketball game being so early is that the game's going to end. I'll be able to write all the stuff from that game and then still have plenty of time to make it over to Baumwalker for the SEC opener. There's also, I think, gymnastics, volleyball, um, softball this weekend, but then also on Saturday, fans can go check out the first uh, open scrimmage of spring ball. Um, I don't know how much for an average fan it's going to really like pay off, but honestly, it's, it's a big step forward for Sam Pittman to open this thing up, and it might be because of recruiting, although I'm not sure how many kids they'll have here this weekend because it was short notice. Hey, I'll take it however I get it, you know? I mean, the open scrimmages, open practices, those things are a dying breed in today's world of college football because coaches are paranoid. But uh, props to Sam Pittman for opening it up. I don't care if he did it with ulterior motives with recruits. Uh, I am just going to take it and be happy. <laughs> we actually uh, – Sam Pittman came over to the sideline during practice on Thursday, and he said, you know, if Rice – knows what we're going to be doing. If, they, if they're going to send someone here, then so be it. He was just like, <laughs> I think this is a good thing to do. And I was like, yeah. If For those who don't know, recruits haven't been able to, um, you know, come see the team or facilities or anything for the last year. Uh, but I noticed some schools starting to do a loophole where if they opened up practice to fans, they can't restrict – who qualifies as a fan so recruits can come in and check everything out, but they obviously can't interact with the coaching staff. So it's just up to a player if that's really worth it uh, just to come check things out. But I know they'll have a, a four-star quarterback 
um, on campus next week. Um, he's on his way out to see Stanford as well. So he's going from, I think it's Delaware all the way across the coast and then back around um, just to check out Arkansas and Stanford before he makes a big decision. Um, back to basketball. Obviously, this is, you know, a huge storyline this week. Every game is sacred because you just can't take it for granted, even when Arkansas is up against number 14, Colgate. Um, most people assume that Arkansas will move on, but I noticed when I was looking at, you know, the computer algorithm numbers and stuff that, you know, you can combine all the different rankings and, and such and come up with, you know, percent chance to move on of all the three seeds, which includes, I believe, Texas, Kansas, and West Virginia, I believe. Of all the three seeds, Arkansas has the lowest chance, which is still like 73%, but the lowest chance of those to beat their round one opponent. And I was a little surprised by that, given one of the six things you must know about Colgate, that they played one of the weirdest schedules ever. And I think that's what leads to those computer projections being funky. I mean, you have, don't look any further than the, the net rankings and the RPI, and you see Colgate at number eight in the country. Like, no one in their right mind thinks Colgate is a number eight team in the country. However, because they have played uh, such a funky schedule with – you know, they've played 15 games total against five different teams. They've played like Boston University six times, Army uh, five times, four times, something like that, a Holy Cross four times. It's very bizarre and only uh, conference games. So they don't have any non-conference uh, data points really. And the only non-conference data points in that conference are because of Army and Navy. And both of those teams picked up some a quality non-conference uh, wins. I think Army beat Buffalo, which is a top 100 team. Uh, Navy beat Georgetown, which is a top 100 team. And in the NCAA tournament, they also played like Maryland and Florida. Uh, and so like they had a, a pretty good strength of schedule. And then whenever uh, Colgate kind of dominated the Patriot League, I mean, just blowing teams out, you know, they beat Army by 44 in one game. Uh, they won all sorts of games by double digits. Uh, that kind of dominance really kind of skewed the computer numbers. And I think you're seeing that in those projections that you're, you're talking about. And I think some, some anal, uh, analytical things like, you know, Ken Palm and things like that, they've tried to account for that and kind of included some of last year's data in there. So that way it kind of, it doesn't think that a team in the Patriot League is, you know, top 10 in the country. So that helps a little bit, but it's still an imperfect system uh, compared to previous years. And so I think that may be one reason that those uh, analytical computer projections maybe favor Colgate more than the other uh, 14 seeds in the tournament. Colgate, another reason for people thinking that there's a chance they might be one of the, you know, first round giant killers um, is that they are a very high scoring team. They average... 86.3 points per game, 49% shooting. That, those are really, really good numbers. And that ability to score um, almost at will, you know, every other, every other bucket, uh, that essentially gives them a shot no matter what. And the up-tempo nature of the game just means there are more possessions, more chances to go on a long run. 
um, to build momentum for yourself uh, versus, you know, a, a, a low tempo team. And they can fill it up from all over the floor too. They're, they're a very good three point shooting team. Uh, they're, and they're all very evenly distributed. Like everyone knows Jordan Burns, the, the star, the Patriot League player of the year and everything, but their four top scorers each uh, have almost identical number of three-point attempts this year. It's pretty crazy if you actually look at the numbers. Um, so you can't really just like, oh, if we shut down this one guy, then we take care of the three-point shooting. You know, there's been some teams in the SEC that are like that. Uh, however, just looking at their numbers, they seem more along the lines of an Alabama style where they've got shooters all over the floor. Uh, they like to shoot threes, and they also like to shoot layups. You know, those are the high – you know, high percentage shot, and then also a shot that's worth, you know, you know an extra point. So uh, that's kind of the, the, the way the game is shifting. You see it at the NBA level. You're starting to see it some in the college level. Uh, and that's what you got to be worried about. They, they do play really fast. I think they're 25th in Ken Palm's uh, tempo ratings. Uh, just a few spots behind Arkansas, I think, is like 17th or 18th, something like that. Uh, so, yeah, it could be a really high-scoring game. And I think if I read this right, that's got the highest of all the first-round games, the highest over-under point total in Vegas. So uh, it should be an entertaining game, you know, stylistically. Uh, and, uh, you know, if, if Arkansas goes cold and Colgate is hot, then it could be a long day for Arkansas. You mentioned Jordan Burns earlier, the Patriot Player of the Year. He's obviously going to stand out 17 points per game, but you imagine that if you put, you know, one of Arkansas's best defenders on him, like a uh, Devo Davis, he could turn the ball over more. And, you know, that would be key for Arkansas. Yeah. I mean, you also have to remember he is just six foot. So that's probably one reason he was so under recruited. I, I was listening to an interview the other day that, really his only other offer coming out of high school. He's from San Antonio, uh, was, a, was a small D2 school in Texas. So it, that's why he ended up at Colgate. But, man, the guy can, can really fill it up. Uh, you know, a couple of years ago, Colgate made it to the NCAA tournament by winning the Patriot League, and he scored 32 against Tennessee. And that was as a sophomore. Now he's a senior, and, and he's, you know, a lot better. You know, I actually had an opportunity this week. Uh, to talk to the Army head coach, Jimmy Allen, and uh, he gave some really good insight on how he's kind of improved his game and, and how good he is uh, in a one-on-one -on -one conversation I had with him uh, the other day. I mean, he, he was probably close to being the best player in our league as a freshman. He, he was the rookie of the year in our league. And, um, you know, so he was, he was really well-rounded at that point. I think he's just been able to kind of improve, you know, in each area of his game. I think the biggest thing, you know, is, is his ability to, to make shots and his ability to create shots for himself, but also then, you know, his ability to create shots for other people. And so, you know, they do a really great job of spacing the floor with shooters and it's it's just hard to help, um, you know, and, and he's uh, he's a very talented player just in terms of being able to get guys the basketball. If you if you come off, if you help, if you, you know, um, put two guys on him for too long, uh, you know, he's able to find the open guy and, and they're a terrific shooting team. And that's that's really the challenge against these guys.
you can hear the rest of that interview with Army coach Jimmy Allen for a sort of scouting report on Colgate in this first round matchup. You can check that out on our Hogbeat YouTube account. The Razorbacks tip off tomorrow morning at 11.45 a.m. The game before that is Florida versus Virginia Tech, which is actually a matchup to watch because whoever wins that game uh, will run into Arkansas if they beat Texas Tech in the second round. So important. And, you know, they could potentially upset Ohio State, which would make Arkansas's path a lot easier. On Monday, the women's team tips off their first round as the four seed versus Wright's State. Wright State. There's a lot of rights at the beginning of this <laughs> segment. Wow, it's getting confusing. Um, the top four seed for both teams with Arkansas men's at, you know, number three. It's first time since 91. Uh, big credit to Hunter Yurchek for these coaches being here at Arkansas at the same time. Yeah, I mean, uh, you know, actually Mike Neighbors got here under the previous regime with Jeff Long. Oh, thanks, Hutch. Just uh, although, throw me under the bus. <laughs> although I don't know if Jeff Long really deserves too much credit because Mike Neighbors was an absolutely obvious hire, uh, you know, just taking Washington to the Final Four. He's from Arkansas. He's coached at Arkansas before. Uh, Arkansas guy through and through. And now, lo and behold, it's taken just a few years. He's got this thing rolling at Arkansas where Arkansas has got a really good chance of uh, making it to the second weekend in both men's and women's uh, because uh, they've got a if they get by uh, Wright State in the first round it looks like they're probably going to be facing five seed Missouri State in the second round that'll be a, a fun matchup but yeah I mean the ball they they've got the ball rolling on, on both sides of the floor with uh, the men and the women uh, in basketball right now it's it's a it's a fun time to be a Razorback fan uh, that's for sure. The men, like I said, if they move on from their first round game, they'll play either number six, Texas Tech, or number 11, Utah State. Obviously, Texas Tech has Chris Beard, who was a, a candidate for the Arkansas job, or, or so we were all led to believe via, you know, reports and sources and whatnot. But um, that should be a very contentious matchup versus Texas Tech. I'm already assuming they will get there. I know it's not a guarantee. Nothing is in the NCAA tournament. Um, but Musselman and this team with their, you know, 12-game SEC win streak, they have made themselves a bit of a giant, I guess, in this tournament. I've seen some experts, some from Yahoo, our, our business daddy. Uh, I've seen some of those experts picking – Arkansas to make it all the way to the final four and then a couple of them had Arkansas in the final I mean I wasn't that confident in Arkansas after watching them all season I have them going out versus uh, Ohio State I believe in in the third round yeah it just kind of shows you where how Arkansas fans are I've seen a lot of Arkansas fans are like oh gosh you know Texas Tech I don't know if you know, I don't know if we go get by them. Like, I, that, that just scares me. And uh, a lot of people are just kind of in that, I don't know, don't, don't, they don't want to be heartbroken again. And, I mean, this team, first things first, you know, before we worry about the Final Four, making it to the championship game or anything like that, make it to the second weekend. 
It's been since 1996 that Arkansas has made it to the Sweet 16. 99 other teams have made it to the Sweet 16 since the last time Arkansas did. And that just is crazy to think about considering right before that drought started, Arkansas was at literally the top of the basketball world, winning it all in 94, finishing runner-up in 95. I mean, it's just it's, – it's one of the more mind-blowing stats in all of college basketball, in my opinion. So uh, that's the big thing. You, obviously, you got to get by Colgate. I think Arkansas rolls in that game. Uh, but get by Texas Tech or Utah State. I'm not quite as convinced that Texas Tech is going to be that opponent as you are because uh, I think Utah State's a, a very good team. Uh, and I think that would be an interesting match. You know, everyone's excited about the potential Chris Beard matchup up in the second round. But how about Utah State? a team from the Mountain West that you, that Eric Musselman would be very familiar with uh, in the second round. That would be fascinating to me as well. Uh, so that, that, that right there is just the first thing is, is get by, get through the first weekend and get that monkey off your back. And I think everything after that is just gravy. Have you filled out your bracket yet? I have not. As You're running out recording. of time. I, I know. I just need start to. Clicking. My my family's like, oh, let's do this bracket contest. And, you know, my wife's talking about having our one-year-old fill out a bracket. I don't know what method we're going to take. I mean, it, it's each, already – Each matchup is red or blue, and then she just, like, puts her hand out. It's already Pretty humiliating easy. enough when I lose to my wife in the bracket <laughs> contest. And now I'm going to lose to my one-year-old daughter. Uh, we have one know. going on Hogbeat. It was a $10 buy-in. There's a lot of us in there. And uh, – I will eventually put out my screenshot, but I'm waiting till the last minute. <laughs> I don't, I don't want to, you know, hear it. <laughs> I didn't yeah, have the hogs I, winning the whole thing. So there will be people I need upset. To, I need to sit down and figure out exactly how far, cause I, I, I feel like this is the year Arkansas sweet 16 drought ends. I just, you just get that feeling. So now what what happens after that? You know, do they face Ohio State in the Sweet 16? If they do, I, I feel like I'd like Arkansas in that matchup. I I just – I don't like Ohio State. You know, they've been struggling, and, and they may not even make it that far. It may be, you know, one of those, uh, you know, the 7-10 matchup there. So, uh, we'll, we'll see. I, I've got to sit down, and I may do that after we get done recording this. I may have to, to pull out a – print out a bracket and, and get, get to filling it out. Things are lining up pretty well for the Hogs. I mean, they lost in that SEC, you know, semifinal, but they didn't have Jalen Williams, and now he's back right at the perfect time. Uh, Moses Moody said the other day that he looks just like he looked before, uh, no rust, so that's really good to hear. Um, and giving Eric Musselman a whole week to, you know, a whole week, like five, five and a half days. Um, but I probably give him more than that. Cause he's probably staying up late watching tape uh, all that time to prepare for, you know, a 14 seed uh, getting in the tournament at such a high seed was a real benefit for the Razorbacks because they don't, they don't have a team seated higher than them for a while. And at least, during this portion, I know Musk says that they're not looking ahead or anything. You have to think that there are some assistants on the team already working on, you know, either or both Texas Tech and Utah State. 
Yeah, you, you have to feel like there's somebody, you know, a grad assistant, you know, somebody, maybe Musk has, you know, had his son, you know, start really looking into those teams or something, or maybe he's got Coach Bruda on that. Um, I, I would not be surprised by that at all. Eric Musman would never admit it in a million years. Uh, but that's you, you got that feeling and uh, having such a high seed it, it's a it's a different it's a weird feeling you know I mean so often even just a couple of months ago Arkansas fans were like oh man we need to win enough to avoid that eight nine matchup because you know I don't want to have to face the number one seed in the second round that, that's what Arkansas has kind of been stuck at you know a couple of years ago they got in that seven ten matchup and uh, they didn't win that game but they would have had to face the number two seed uh, had they won that um even even getting a five seed it's like oh great you still got to face a four seed in the second round well now you're in a position where you're the three seed you're going to face a six seed at you know best or at worst however you want to look at it in the second round that's a team you should beat and you, you know, arkansas hasn't been in this position since 95 when they were a two seed this is their highest seed since then uh so it it is setting up nicely Obviously, you want to take care of, you know, first things first, you got to beat Colgate. But the, the path is there uh, to make a run like you haven't seen in Arkansas in two-plus decades. Now, Musselman, even though he's, you know, this is his sixth year as a collegiate head coach, he's already been to the NCAA tournament uh, several times, three times, all with Nevada. Um, they were um, – a seven seed twice in 2018 and in 2019 and in 2018 they had a run to I think maybe Nevada's first ever sweet 16 or maybe it was just a really long time I can't remember off the top of my head but it had been a really long time and they had some wild games I mean I believe it was the second uh, biggest comeback ever when Nevada beats number two seed Cincinnati um, in the second round of the 2018 tournament. Um, and that was after having to come back, I think, from down like 18 points versus Texas in the first round. So when I talked to uh, a Nevada reporter to kind of get his thoughts on Muss's teams during tournament time, he was just like, don't ever count them out because, uh, you know, Muss will motivate them to make a comeback as long as, you know, they're making the right adjustments. You know, I'm pretty sure I remember that Texas uh, game because I, if I remember correctly, it was one it was of the overtime. first. I remember, I feel like it was one of the first like eight or nine games of the day. Uh, and up to that point, I'm pretty sure I had picked like the first six games correctly or first seven games correctly. And so I'm starting to feel really good about my bracket, you know, getting excited. <laughs> oh my gosh, here, I'm going to win a million dollars for the perfect bracket, you know, like it, like you do whenever you get on a roll like that. Uh, and I, then I'm like tracking that game, like, all right, Nevada's down. You know, that, that's going to be another one I got right because I think I picked Texas or something. And then I checked the score a little bit later and Nevada had come back. And I'm like, what? what is this? And I remember being so mad that that ruined my perfect bracket, you know, after seven games or whatever it was. So uh, it, it is, you know, seems to be uh, Eric Mosman's calling card. The dude makes adjustments. I mean, look at his record this year in games Arkansas trailed at halftime. Uh, you never really had the feeling, even I think they trailed at halftime against LSU in the semifinal, and I still was like, all right, you know, they, here we go. This is where they, they win the game is in the second half. And 
that that seems to be his calling card and uh, it's going to be a bigger deal than the normal in the NCAA tournament because it's going to be a, a very competitive atmosphere uh, even even with Colgate probably. As promised our own Jackson Collier spoke to Eric Musselman earlier to get the vibe on how he's doing hold up in Indy. What your experience so far has been in the bubble up in Indianapolis? Yeah, I think, you know, first of all, the, you know, to be able to go to the Indianapolis 500 and experience that with the team and selection Sunday when the, you know, when the announcement happens is one of the great experiences for any student athlete. So that experience was awesome. And then once we got to our hotel, you know, things changed pretty quickly. We, you know, we had to go into isolation for about 30 hours um, couldn't see any of the other staff members. Um, you know, they brought food into us, put it outside your door. Uh, but then once the, t- the two tests came back, um, you know, where nobody had COVID, uh, we were able to start meeting as a team. Uh, and, and it's been a good experience. It is, it is a, a lot different than, than, than the last three tournaments that I've been a part of. Um, you know, the last three years, one of the neatest things ever is the band and the cheerleaders and your fans and, and, and former players all in the hotel lobby. And, and you can just feel the, the electricity in the air. We don't have that right now. We're, we're in a hotel with a bunch of other teams. Our team is all on one floor. Um, you know, but when we get between the lines on Friday, I think all of our players understand that this is the most watched event in, in all of sports, maybe other than just the Super Bowl. So, uh, you know, we got to be ready to play on a big stage. Well, and especially having such a, a highly rated team, you got to figure you're going to have one of the more uh, more watched opening round matchups, being a three seed. Um, obviously, coming into Selection Sunday, you knew you were probably going to be on that three seed line. Um, I know you don't want to limit yourself with expectations preseason, but is that something that you expected to achieve this early in your tenure? Well, you know, we expect our team to play with great effort, energy, and enthusiasm every single night out. You know, we felt like, you know, we we recruited at a high level, both the high school and and the transfer market. Um, Last year, two guys that that, that are, you know, really big pieces for us in our starting center, Connor Vanover and J.D. Notay, sat out. You know, our culture just is, you know, is, is, is a lot different now than it was, you know, a year ago. I mean, our players understand that and we've been done with practice here uh, today for probably 20 minutes and everybody's still out working. They're either working on one-on-one moves with the coach or against the teammate or they're getting shots up. I mean, this is an extremely focused team. This is a really workmanlike environment. Um, you walk into our practice facility in the middle of the summer at 10 o'clock at night, I can pretty much assure you that somebody's in there working. Um, and, and so I think that's why, you know, we're a top 10 team in the country, which is hard to finish off the uh, conference tournament season and, and be in the top 10. Um, you can never take that stuff for granted. Um, and then to be a high seed in this tournament, you know, that's what you work for all season. That's what... Our staff members, when they put together the non-conference schedule, spent countless hours trying to figure out what can help us get to this stage. And now you just got to go play for 40 minutes, and anything can happen in a 40-minute game. And we, we told the team the other day, there are going to be upsets in this tournament. 
We know that. There's going to be upsets on Friday. We just don't want to be one of them. Exactly. Now, you've been to the NCAA tournament almost every year. You've been a head coach at the college ranks. There's been uh, you've been a college head coach for six. You're in your sixth year. Uh, there's only been five NCAA tournaments in that span, and you've been to four of them. Aside from the obvious with the pandemic, is there anything different about going to the NCAA tournament at Arkansas as opposed to Nevada? I, I don't think so, other than the fact that we, you know, we put ourselves in a, in a, in a with a good seed. I think that's that's one thing. And and um, you know, at Nevada, our last year, we were in the top ten the last seventeen weeks of the poll. Um, and, and I think that particular team had much more pressure uh, because it was a year-long situation. And, and this team has grown, which is probably why it's, a, you know, maybe the most special team I've coached is because we got better as the season progressed. Um, you know, we weren't a top-10 team. We weren't even, a, you know, a top team in our own conference coming into the season. And, and this group's worked, and they've developed chemistry and they've turned this thing into a special season. All right, just one more question for you, Coach. I know you got to go, but I really appreciate your time joining me today. Um, you talked a little bit about, you know, the, the end goal is always to go to the NCAA tournament and this group being a special uh, group of guys. Um, last season, uh, everybody saw you get really emotional in the locker room, kind of closing out the year, knowing that the NCAA tournament was canceled, knowing that all of those guys had worked so hard in your first year to make it to the NCAA tournament. What does it mean to you to be able to do this for all these group of guys in such a uh, such a weird year? Yeah, I mean, I, you know, getting to the finish line was not easy, and, and, and we're right now – you know, for the for the NCAA tournament, we're at the starters gate right now, and you know we hope that everybody you know continues to stay safe so that so that this tournament can come to a conclusion. I think that will happen, um, but it's it's been special. And that group last year, uh, they set the foundation. I talked to Mason Jones three or four times a week, and, and those guys, Isaiah Joe and, and Mason and Jimmy Witt. Those guys really, really, and Adriel Bailey, they, they set the foundation of our culture, um, and these guys have carried it to another level, which is what you want. And then, you know, when this season ends, whenever that may be, you know, there'll be, there'll be a new group of guys that have to carry that work ethic and culture to an even higher level or higher standard. And that's kind of our belief on what culture really is. Perfect. Well, again, thank you so much for joining me today just for a few minutes. I'll let you get back to it. I really appreciate it. Yep, thanks for having me on. Appreciate all the stuff you do for covering the hogs. Yes, sir. Thank you. Hutch, I don't know which one of us will be out there on Saturday, but one of us will be at the open scrimmage that the Razorbacks are holding. Uh, gates open at 10.30 a.m. on Saturday. Uh, no matter how the Hogs game goes on Friday, you can look forward to watching some Razorback football. Um, probably the main thing we'll be watching is the quarterbacks because, you know, in an actual scrimmage setting, you can, you know, glean some real takeaways, unlike in a drill-type setting where, you know, you, you watch a few throws and – it, it just doesn't give you an accurate sense of how they're doing. So I'm excited to see that. Um, there were some notable um, storylines this week with the release of the updated roster. We got one last week with like 
updated um, jersey numbers and stuff. But this week we got weights. And every year we look forward to it because um, we are obsessed <laughs> with these football players' weights. The offensive linemen should be very proud of their gained weight because it was necessary. Uh, Tykees Crawford weighs 355 pounds. That blew my mind because he was already a giant. Yeah, that guy is is massive. And, you know, a lot of people, I think, I'm pretty sure, like, even through recruiting, he may have been more than that. But I think it may have been a little bit of a, a bad weight that you don't want to have. Because uh, I know I, I wrote in the uh, in my breakdown of all the weight changes and stuff, he was one of the biggest weight gainers because he gained – 20 pounds and people are like holy cow how did he gain 20 pounds he was already huge well that's based on his listed weight at charlotte where he spent last year uh, where he was listed as at only quote unquote only 335 pounds so now he's 255 uh, i mean he based on the little i saw i've only been out to one practice so far uh he looks good it doesn't look like a you know really bad weight but i can't imagine 355 being kind of the ideal weight for him like I, I expect him to maybe be a little bit lighter you know maybe bulk up some more uh you know by the time he's leaving Arkansas uh so yeah that, that was uh that was quite jarring to see 355 on the roster Dalton Wagner I mean he wasn't forced to say it he said Tykees moves great with that weight like I was surprised to hear that and that's a guy who's coming after Dalton's job so um it's good to see a high level of competition out there, especially on the offensive line. Um, Sam Pittman, when he came over to, to talk to us and uh, it was brought up that he has, he has 20 returning starters. He was like, well, I mean, I don't want to, I want, I want these guys to get challenged and for there to be competition. Um, And yeah, I agree. There's, plenty of that going on although still for the most part through this second week I haven't noticed a whole lot of difference from um, week one on Tuesday Um, on this Tuesday I saw Hudson Clark working with the ones at corner instead of Ladarius Bishop who I mentioned last week was working with the ones Um, but I really can't think of anything else that was really different Um, I did see uh, Jaqueline Crawford, the transfer from Oklahoma, the wide receiver, they were doing ones, but with, uh, you know, four wide receivers, and he was one of the guys out there. So it seems to me like he is high up there on, um, you know, the group of the top nine wide receivers that they have. And then Kendall Bryles will probably only travel like six or seven. So I think he right now he's in that group, which is great because – not every transfer they've gotten so far has panned out. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see where he ends up, especially once Davion Warren gets, you know, back and healthy. You know, he's still recovering from his torn ACL, uh, which I think he suffered in November. So he's still only uh, a few months out from surgery from that, you know. So, uh, but he, he kind of plays that same position. You know, they're kind of built similarly. similarly. Uh, they're not big dudes, but they're fast. Uh, so it'll be interesting to see how that kind of those snap distribution goes. Cause I think, uh, you know, Kendall Bryles has said in the past, you know, I, I think he maybe travels, you know, eight or nine, like you mentioned, but I think only like six, five or six really get snaps with the top three or four getting the majority of those. And we saw that last year. I mean, Mike Woods, 
and Traylon Burks hardly ever came off the field. And then you had guys like, you know, Tyson Morris or Davion Warren before he got hurt, Trey Knox. They were kind of vying for that, you know, third and fourth spot. So uh, I'm anxious to see because they, they just keep bringing in wide receivers. I mean, they just brought in another former – I mean, he's not going to be here yet, but, you know, the former four-star recruit from Florida State uh, as a walk-on. And they've got all sorts – I mean, you, Crawford they brought in and, and just – there's so many dudes, plus the freshmen. It's, it's going to be interesting to see how, how that wide receiver room shakes out. Yeah, hopefully – I mean, I think the guys in that room will have to learn some patience or you'll start seeing transfers because there, there is a lot of talent. Not everyone can start, and so you just kind of have to wait your turn um, as long as – you know, you feel like there are the best guys out there. And with Traylon Burks and Mike Woods, there's really no argument. I think after that, it kind of gets murky. But um, those two certainly have their spots secured. I saw a, a pro football focus stat that they shared the other day that he's number one on, you know, returning receivers in um, passer rating when targeted. So Traylon Burks is a very QB friendly wide receiver. The theme for Tuesday's practice definitely seemed like it was competition uh, in, the, in the first half that we got to see. We're, we're out there for about an hour these days, which is really nice. Um, they had offensive line versus defensive line, one-on-ones. Um, some of them were great. Some of them were not so great. There are some pretty big mismatches now that the offensive linemen are so heavy. They use that to a, to a big advantage. Um, they had wide receiver versus corner one-on-ones. Uh, that was pretty entertaining, though I was kind of far away, so the clips that I got weren't that great. Um, and then I really liked a quarterback drill that they were doing. They had uh, Jefferson, Hornsby, Jones, uh, Coley, uh, and then the couple walk-ons, and they would look to Kendall Bryles on the sideline and he would, you know, be signaling all kinds of stuff. And the first one to shout it out won, and then they would throw the ball. Um, but John Stephen Jones was number one almost every single time. And it didn't surprise me. That guy has been around, has been around football for so long. It makes sense to me that he is like just a, a pretty incredible football mind. Probably. I assume. Yeah, I mean, because he's, one, he's been in Arkansas the longest. I mean, he's been here since, I want to say, 2018, right? I mean, he was the same. Yeah. He came in the same year as Connor Nolan. Um, so he's been here a while. Plus, I mean, he's Jerry Jones' grandson. So, I mean, he's he grew up around the Cowboys. He probably went to a lot of practices, been around all those coaches and players. So, yeah, it, it makes sense that he would have a very high football IQ when it comes to that kind of thing. What are some other things you think that, you know, a scrimmage on Saturday can reveal about this team so far this spring? Yeah, I'm looking forward to seeing what the defense looks like with its kind of new adjustments. You know, we talked about it last week, I think, in that the defensive ends are going to be kind of split out more wide. And so you're going to see them uh, trying to get after the passer a little bit more, obviously, with it being a spring scrimmage. They're not going to be able to hit the quarterbacks, but you'll be able to at least see what kind of pressure they're able to generate. Uh, but how, how do the linebackers fit those gaps? You know, those are going to be wider gaps now for uh, running backs to run through. Uh, so how, how do the linebackers come down and fill those gaps? You know, how does the, the secondary perform against, you know, a pretty 
talented group of wide receivers that we just discussed. So just really anxious to see that, that defense. And, you know, especially if it's a, a true scrimmage where they're going to be tackling and stuff, you know, we'll be able to see how physical they are, you know, how, how well they tackle. Um, and that, that's going to be, you know, always interesting to see. I feel like you get more out of a being able to watch a scrimmage like that more so than watching just a, a practice where they're not really tackling to the ground or they're, you know, even the first, first week, they weren't even in full pads, just helmets. Uh, so that, that's kind of what I'm, I'm most looking forward to Saturday in that scrimmage. From what I've seen so far at practice, they do get inside, you know, the linebackers to the ball very quickly. Um, but I do worry about when they bounce outside and how quick they can be to stop the run there. Uh, just, I guess, depends on how deep the safeties are and, and whatnot. Um, another thing is uh, the tight ends. Just because of how practice has gone so far, I have not been able to see hardly any of the tight ends. I know Hudson Henry gained like 10 pounds. I believe Blake Kern dropped some weight. And now I think they're the same weight. Um, but I just haven't been able to see much of them blocking or catching the ball, really. So that'll be another thing that I look for. Again, that scrimmage, the the gates open at 10.30 a.m. So you can go check the hogs out. I assume it's going to be just a couple hours, and then you can get on with your day. You have baseball at night. Our baseball segment is sponsored by CJ's Butcher Boy Burgers. When all you do are burgers, they have to be the best. And at CJ's, we promise they are. They have locations in Fayetteville and Russellville. So before any of these baseball games this weekend, go ahead and get some CJ's Butcher Boy Burgers. Uh, Hutch, the Razorbacks, lost a couple games. They are no longer undefeated. Uh, they lost the third game of the series versus Louisiana Tech. And then they lost the midweek game versus Oklahoma. Do you think they'll still be ranked number one? Oh, no. I mean, obviously they the world's ending. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you got to fire Dave Van Horn, fire all the assistants, bench everybody. You know, typical typical overreaction to baseball games in a 56-game season. Uh, but, you know, it, whether or not they're still number one will, will totally depend on how they do this weekend against Alabama and also probably how Vanderbilt does. I think I don't know who they play this opening weekend, but I think they play one of the Mississippi schools. So that's going to be a massive series. The winner of that series uh, may end up being the number one team uh, come uh, the uh, net new rankings next week. Uh, but a midweek loss to Oklahoma like they had, not really a big deal. I mean, it's a midweek game. And, yeah, some of the stuff was concerning, you know, some of the – the older guys in the lineup are not hitting the ball very well, uh, but you still were in a position in the ninth inning. You had the tying run at the plate with no outs. Uh, so you, you were still in a position to win, just like you were in uh, the Louisiana Tech game where you had the tying runs on base in the ninth inning. So they have not been blown out in any of these games. And, you know, Alabama, uh, they're probably picked last in the SEC West and maybe last in the conference. However, they are a lot better than they have been in recent years. Uh, so it's going to be a tough challenge. And, you know, any, any series in the SEC is going to be tough. So but if, if they can go out and win this series, uh, they have a chance to maintain that number one ranking or at the worst, you know, fall down to maybe number two, depending on what Vanderbilt does. The Razorbacks catch some luck because you posted on the trough that 
uh, Alabama will be without a key pitcher. Yeah, their ace, I don't know how to pronounce his last name, but I believe it's Connor Prelip. Uh, he's a lefty, uh, probably projected to be the number one overall draft pick, not this year, but next year, because he's still just a second year guy. Uh, but he is, you know, during the, the shortened season last year and uh, the one game he th- he's pitched this year, he's thrown, he started five games. He has yet to allow an earned run, so he's got an ERA of zero, and he has 43 strikeouts in 26 innings. Uh, that, that, that's pretty good. Um, that, that dude is an absolute stud, and plus he's a lefty. Arkansas has had some trouble with lefties this year. We saw that on in Sunday against Louisiana, or no, on on Tuesday against Oklahoma, we saw that uh, their lefty starter gave them fits. So uh, that is a huge break for Arkansas because that was a big reason I picked. I think it, I can't remember what I picked in my preseason projections, but I, I was quite worried about that Friday night game because of how good that starter is for Alabama. But not having him should help Arkansas, I believe take two of three at the very least. I never like to predict sweeps, but if you're going to sweep a team, Alabama might be the team to do it. Do we know the rotation for this weekend already, or have you not talked to DBH? For Arkansas, it's going to be the same as last week. They're going Peyton Paulette on Friday, uh, Zebulon Vermillion on Saturday, which how about that for a revelation? Uh, Went eight innings, only one run against Louisiana Tech, a very good offensive team, really kind of locked down that you know, mystery spot in the, in the rotation. And then obviously Sunday sticking with lefty uh, Lyle Lockhart, who has, has pitched better than I expected probably so far this year. He's not overpowering, but he's, he's pretty good. And he has a lot of pitches and he's a lefty that can kind of uh, keep you off balance. So sticking with the same rotation. I know a lot of people have had concerns about the starting rotation. I had concerns about it going into the year, uh, but those guys had like a, a 265 ERA uh, and like a, a whip under under one uh, against Louisiana Tech over the weekend and that's 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 a really good offensive team so that's a pretty impressive stat so uh, I think they've pretty much locked down who their three starters are uh, at this point. You mentioned some of the older guys not hitting quite as well as you would expect are there any changes to be made there, or do they just need to start hitting better? They just got to start hitting better. Because I mean, one of them is Christian Franklin, your preseason All-American, projected first-round draft pick. He's hitting like around 250 right now. He is just – he's really struggling at the play. He's caught some bad luck. I mean, he's hit the ball on the screws a couple of times, and it's been robbed by the third baseman or something like that. So uh, that, that's just a little bit of tough luck. You know, you need to see Braden Webb start hitting the ball. Uh, he has gotten off to a miserable start. I think he's one for 24, but he's another guy uh, against Louisiana Tech. I know he had a line drive right up the middle, uh, but Louisiana Tech had the shift on, and the second baseman was standing right there for an easy easy catch for a line out. Uh, so he, he needs to hit better. You know, Matt Goodhart's kind of scuffling along. Um, I think uh, Colin Smith, the, grad, or the transfer from East Tennessee State, had to sit out last year. Uh, he's kind of scuffling along after having a really good start. Uh, So those guys, if they start hitting the ball better, Arkansas is pitching well enough that they should win win more games than they lose. And they've been doing that so far. Obviously, they've lost their last two. Uh, But if they start hitting the ball like they're capable of, they're going to be a really tough team to beat and probably going to stay in the top five for the long haul. If they don't start hitting, 
uh, you may see them lose some games and, and fall in those top 25 rankings. We won't have another show till next Thursday, so let's chat a bit about Memphis, the midweek for next week. They play two games. How do they decide if they're going to play one versus two? It just kind of depends on what, what the teams are looking for. You know, usually you know, with these uh, you know, major conference teams like Oklahoma, you're probably only going to get one game. Uh, because you know both teams are like okay we're bank we're facing another major team in Arkansas we've only got so much pitching uh, you know things like that you know Memphis they're a smaller conference team and they you know they still have those same pitching concerns they're in the middle of conference play too or starting conference play uh, but they would would like to beat a team like Arkansas in the midweek because that really helps the RPI um, they, they would get more of an RPI boost than, say, in Oklahoma because they're going to be playing other Big 12 teams on the weekend that's going to help that. Um, same thing with Arkansas. They're going to be playing other SEC teams. Uh, so that, that really kind of what – and plus, you know, a team that's really, you know, one of those mid-major teams, they, the coaches kind of know ahead of time, like, all right, our team's going to be pretty good here in two or three years once we get, you know, these guys that we have are older – um, and, you know, they're getting experience now. So let's, let's go try to play in Arkansas and uh, pull off an upset, something like that. And, you know, Memphis, they've got a, they've got a catcher that is a uh, preseason All-American by pretty much everybody, uh, going to be a, a, probably a high draft pick. Uh, that, that's the guy Arkansas has got to be worried about in that, that midweek series. Uh, but still, it's a team Arkansas should, if they play like they're capable of, win both of those games. Does Wicklander get another start next week? And who, who starts the second game of the series? Yeah, uh, that, that's the million-dollar question right now. Um, you know, we're not really sure. I know a lot of fans would love to see Jackson Wiggins get a start because he has been just absolutely electric at the end of games. Uh, but I think, I think uh, Van Horn is pretty content right now as long as they keep playing well of keeping him as the closer. Uh, I'm not really sure who who gets that start. Maybe you give Caleb Bolden a start on the midweek. Uh, probably one of those two games, at least, they're probably going to be treating it as a bullpen where each guy pitches like one, maybe two innings, and they cycle through some young guys. And it may not be pretty. You know, the Texas game a couple of years ago comes to mind. Uh, but they're, that's just going to be what they do. And if they, if they lose, I don't think, you know, Van Horn wants to win. Don't get me wrong, but I don't think he cares as much if they lose on a midweek game when they're throwing all these young arms more so than, you know, winning on the weekends when it matters in SEC play. Don't forget, everybody, Friday, 11.45 a.m., the Razorbacks versus Colgate on True TV. And then you have Alabama opening the Al- – the- Arkansas opening the Alabama series, 6.30 p.m. on Friday, uh, 10.30 a.m. on Saturday, the football scrimmage, and then women's the first round uh, versus Wright State at 4.30, 4 p.m., 1 p.m., oh, my gosh. 1 p.m. 1 p.m. Yeah, don't forget all that, guys. All right. Thank you so much for tuning in to this week's episode of the Hogbeat Hour. Don't forget our sponsors. Show them some love this weekend with your food purchases. Go to Wright's. Go to CJ's. We love them both. All right, everybody. Good luck this weekend. Have a good one.